All right, here we go. Hello, how's everyone doing? How are you doing, Christian? I'm doing great. How are you doing today, Victoria? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's you know, it's not gloomy. The sun is shining, and I get to talk to you, so that's always fun. <laughs> great. Love connecting with you. Thank you so much for making this time and for cultivating this space. Um, I, yeah. I'm so glad we have this time today, and and this is gonna be a lot of fun. Thanks for having yes. me. Yes, yes. So for those of you who haven't tuned into um, some of these talks, my name is Victoria Torres. I work for the Samuel A. Foundation, and I'm also um, just focused on right now due to COVID and the stay at home is um, just talking with nonprofits on their experience in working through COVID. But more important, more um, recently, a lot of the virtual events that have been going on in our sector. So I have today Christian Esteban from Hoya Scholars, who is going to talk about, we're going to just go through their virtual gala that happened a couple weeks ago, which was really successful. I, I attended, I was there watching, you guys did an Thank amazing so job. And um, thought it'd be very valuable for everyone to hear uh, from you and your your team just like how how it went leading up and then the success afterwards because i think right now a lot of nonprofits are struggling with um you know do we even bother virtual and if so what does that look like and there's such a a combination of virtual events going on right now and i thought yours was just a, a great one to kind of talk through so thank you for taking the time yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I'm happy to walk through what the event sort of look like and that there's certain things that you want to touch on. Uh, yeah. Definitely let me know. But um, just sort of going back towards the beginning, obviously, the last four months have been such a whirlwind. And, and that yeah. includes for us at Hoya Scholars, just to give everybody an idea. We work with, uh, with low income and predominantly Latinx and immigrant communities. And uh, we work with junior high and high school students and their families to be able to prepare them to become first-generation college students. So through our junior high and high school college readiness programs, we have one-on-one -on -one academic mentoring uh, with our students, tutoring. We take them on college visits. We have, until recently, SAT prep. There's been a lot of news in that world lately. Um, yes. We have a week-to-week um, -week college apps academy for our seniors. They want to do leadership retreats and community service. So it's really meant to be just a, a, an all-encompassing, holistic, uh, college prep program um, for those who don't have a family history of going to college and uh, and going over to, to higher, pursuing higher level career paths. Um, that being said, four months ago, we were excited for our, I think it was our 11th anniversary gala, which was going to be at the end of March at Los Coyotes. And we had been there for the last two to three years. And it's a marvelous venue. And it's always so much fun to get, you know, 320 of your closest friends together in a room yeah. and share passion and vision. Um, yeah. We were two weeks away from that event. And of course, COVID-19 sort of fell out of the sky. And as we all remember, quite fondly, unfortunately. Um, and, uh, and two weeks before the event, we decided to pull it, of course, due to health mm -hmm. guidelines. And that was just the, the thing that we had to do. Um, yeah. we, we pulled the event and we were fortunate that we had not uh, invested as much as we could have at that point into the event. So a lot of the um, the final preparations, a lot of the cost associated with building that event were going to happen in those final two weeks. Right. Um, so we, we are quite fortunate that we didn't have to pull it, you know, just a couple of days before when we had, we had invested a lot more. Um, yeah. March and April after the, the, the cancellation of the event was really about finding our footing as a mm -hmm. small nonprofit, uh, Victoria, I remember as soon as they announced the SBA PPP, I was on the yes. phone <laughs> with the SBA reps and reading yeah. the website for details and asking them questions. And they were reading the same website trying to figure out what the details were. They're all, you know, learning at the same time. Um, and March and April was really all about serving our community and assessing response and what immediate need was and then enacting some COVID-19 relief. And I can get into that later if you're interested. Um, and March and April, and up until now, we've been providing COVID-19 relief. So just a quick side note, one of our weekly pantries, we've now been able to distribute, I think over maybe nearly 2,000 uh, distributions of food and, and essential supplies to over 500 families. And that's valued at, I think, nearly $60,000 at this point, which- that's awesome is awesome for us you know we're not a second harvest we're not a pathways we're just really trying to take care of those who are in our own backyard and it's been so so fortunate to be able to do that yeah. 
Um, and Christian, to be, uh, so everyone knows too, you primarily serve the Fullerton area, right? You have two locations and the idea is, is this kind of, everything you said, a wraparound service for the youth in these particular areas in Fullerton, right? Yes, yeah, so we're, thanks Victoria. So we're specifically in two uh, areas in Fullerton. We're on the east side in the Garnett neighborhood uh, over on the border of Fullerton and Placentia serving the Placentia Yorba Linda School District. And then okay. we're over in central Fullerton now in the, the Maple neighborhood, which is where I'm broadcasting from you today in yeah. south central Fullerton. And that's where we've been for about three years and we've been in Garnett for about 11 years now. And the event was supposed to take place in February, correct? It was supposed to take place at the end of March. Oh, end of March. Okay, end of March. And so COVID had happened. So instead of trying to scramble and just keep the date and figure it out, you postponed it to a later date when you could figure out what it would look like. And just curious, um, even though we're kind of past this, but did the event, did the venue have any rules or like were you able to get your deposit back you know what what happened with the venue because i know some nonprofits struggled with that that's a great question so i'll share with you that we we typically spend in the neighborhood of, of maybe 17 to eighteen thousand dollars on putting on the event each year mm -hmm. and we really had only put in about thirty five hundred dollars towards the event so we were able to make an arrangement where we, we didn't have to pay into the event until much closer to the date um, as soon as the event was pulled, the venue did give us options to say that we could postpone to within the calendar year without any sort of penalty or things like that. Unfortunately, they did not um, oh. provide a, a refund on the deposit. Um, okay. And of course, with the restrictions that are in place, we're not going to have the opportunity to host an event there again. Um, you know, we, of course, we would love to at some point. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we tried contact, contacting the venue actually, and, and they're going through a lot right now. Got it. Okay. So you had, so you had to weigh out that is if we choose not to reschedule with them, then we're losing that deposit essentially. Exactly. So we had to decide if we we're going to pull it, then we we effectively effectively lose that deposit, and um, we're sort of in that rock and a hard place. And at the same yeah. time, instead of immediately modifying and pulling the event and just saying we're going to do something virtual on the same day because we were still two weeks out, we really just pivoted to say, okay, we have resources to get us by for you know a couple of months here. We really just kind of immediately pivoted to what are the needs of the community and how can we yeah. respond to them? And as soon as that was taken care of and we were able to have a sustainable relief response, we said, okay, we got to turn our attention back to this event here and we've got to do something with this. And yeah. it was really thanks to our board and it was thanks to um, to your insight and learning about these different platforms and what they have to offer to see. Yeah what it is that we want to do. Um, and we've, we've seen obviously in the last couple of months, amazing nonprofits put together these amazing virtual events. Mm -hmm. Some of them are live and you know, some of them are pre-recorded. And yeah. what we really wanted to do is try to capture the, the best of all those worlds. Um, right. So even though we couldn't have a, a live broadcast component for this event, because we did stream on YouTube live through Streamlabs as our third party software, um, but I did consider uh, using BeLive because it just had a great capability of this, this live hosting software yeah. uh, and to be able to mix in pre-recorded videos. The reason why we did not go with BeLive though in our virtual event, which and it took place on June 5th, was mm -hmm. because the video packages that we wanted to intersperse with the live portions were just too big. The files were just too big. Ah, uh, okay. So we just decided to just go all pre-recorded video um, through uh, YouTube Live, and then we had Streamlabs, which is a, a gamer site that some people might be aware of. It's it's traditionally a game streaming site. Right. We use that as our, our backend software to host our, our event, essentially. Okay, so this was uh, pre-recorded. It was all pre-recorded. It was about 30 minutes long, right? Because you, and so, um, so before we get in more into the technology, tell me about the planning process. Um, so you had time, you decided to not have it in March and then it came in June. Mm -hmm. So three months of planning. What was the, the process behind that? Was it, um, you know, the staffing board, uh, you know, board input, talk us through, you know, okay, we're moving this online guys. What questions needed to be discussed and what decisions did you make of, you know, how do we keep the elements of the in-person and, and 
feel like you're there, but obviously virtually. I'll start with with that last question. One of the biggest notes that we get from past from past galas in person was we really want to hear from the kids. We really want to hear from their experiences. And and I've been to I've, you know we've we've had the pleasure of going to a lot of amazing fundraisers. And I, I do remember uh, you know a few years ago attending some fundraisers and and I would. I would be a part of the event and it was really great. But then by the end of the event, I still wouldn't quite understand who it is that they serve or I still wouldn't be able to associate a face or a name um, to who the, the nonprofit serves. And so last year we tried to push a little bit more having our kids, having our former alums, current college students be sort of the face of what the event looked like. And um, so my belief going into this was it's already an event that's going to be so far removed from people. It's going to be online. It's going to be difficult to have a, a wide audience. And uh, we really need to make sure that the kids are, are the focus of this so that if you tune in for three minutes, you'll see some of our students and you'll immediately be able to associate Hoya Scholars with some of our students and, and what our mission is. You know? And so for that specific reason, I, I came in at the beginning and then I came in at the end and I just let the staff and the students and our volunteers do the talking. Um, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what the 30 minute program looks like in a second, but as yeah. far as the process, the first month was all about uh, researching what the platform was going to be best for us to be able to put the students in the spotlight. Uh, and immediately we knew that we had to be, we had to pre-record some things with them. Um, immediately we knew that um, we had to get the staff and the volunteers together because we, we wanted this to be a multifaceted event instead of being maybe four speakers at 15 minutes, we wanted um, a tight 30 minutes. We ended up having 10 different video segments in those 30 minutes. So it moved wow. at a flip. One of my favorite comments actually from the broadcast was, I I was planning on tuning in for, for 10 minutes, but I yes. stayed at 4.30. <laughs> I saw that one. Yeah, I saw that comment. It's true, it was true. <laughs> and so what the process looked like was, um, it all in all, it took about six weeks to put together the event. Uh, one week was was writing the event. It was all all thirty minutes. Most of the thirty minutes were entirely scripted. Um, there were twelve different speakers who uh, filmed for ten different video segments. So we so since it was a lot of weaving in and out, we had yeah. to script the entire thing from top to bottom. the uh, The second week was all filming. It was getting twelve people together on Zoom. Uh, in, in one really fun week and just getting wow. all the material. So students would film, you know, videos one, five and seven all in one day. Okay. And would save that for editing. And then the, the four weeks was really all about editing. It took a long time to edit these, these videos. We really had only one staff member that was solely wow. dedicated to editing all of these videos. Myself and another staff member, we each, I think, edited maybe one video in addition to that but we really just had one staff member that was dedicated to the videos. So me personally, I had a heavy hand in the writing just to set the tone. I had a heavy hand in the filming because I'm always gonna get on camera with our kids. <laughs> to get right, the yeah. out of them. And then um, I really just passed it over to the staff for the most part when it came to the, the bulky efforts of putting yeah. it together. That way I had a chance to promote in the two to three weeks leading up to the event, right. um, which is mostly what I was doing was just promoting yeah. the event towards the end. Well, and I loved, I think you, I loved um, the interaction, like how many people you had on it, because what I've, what I've learned with social media and just virtual in general, if you're gonna post anything to social media, the more people you have in it, touching it, the more likely they're gonna share it. Like the more likely they're gonna be a part, they're gonna feel a part of it and love it. And they're gonna want their friends to know or family to know, or like, look, I'm, I, it's, it's not just about a one day event going to a venue instantly you can share it to hundreds of people versus just the 10 people you invited that day. So that's what I've seen is, you know, the, um, the you know, the amazing new innovative ways that we didn't even think about mm. it that's coming to us virtually. So the more students you had on there, I can imagine the more pride they felt in being a part of it. It was so much fun and it wasn't just, you know, us. it was us talking about our programs and who we are and what we do, but we, we threw, the kids did a, a we, they did two some good news segments. Uh -huh. We were just sharing some feel good stories about the community and just finding ways to kind of weave our stories into a, a fun half an hour. Um, and really the, this, this space is so great, this virtual space. I mean, we're, we're both sort of 
you know, we're maybe we're tired of it on some days. <laughs> definitely. The and, Zoom uh, fatigue is definitely catching up. Yeah. Zoom fatigue is a real thing, but it's it's just such an incredible space to be uh, to take advantage of. And yeah. um, over half of the people on screen, there were there are kids, there are alums, and mm -hmm. we had our volunteers, and they were all sending out our message because you know I have a yeah. chance to do that day in and day out, but I had a, a way more amazing time being able to put them forward and giving them a chance to do that. Awesome. And we'll talk about the board. I saw because your board played a big role in it. What was their take on just this idea, this virtual gala idea? So at the end of month one of three in the planning process, uh -huh. uh, I uh, I approached the board about the idea, but I didn't just approach them with, with the template of what it would look like. I, I approached them with, with the completed script of what the event would look like. And, and that was because I, I really felt as though our board needed a, a solid proof of concept. They yeah. needed to know what what the content would be, what the technology would be, and what the logistics of it, and, and realistically what the fundraising would be. So, yeah. um, so for example, we had a, a $10,000 fundraising goal. So we had to really decide with the board how, how small or big we wanted to go with this. Um, and, and because it was such a, a new type of event, we really wanted to, to try for something that we would probably be able to attain. And we were able to, to meet and surpass the $10,000 goal. And we have, we now have, I think, 400 views of the, uh, the gal on YouTube, which is, mm -hmm. which is amazing. Um, yeah. but it really became about sharing with the board a proof of concept. And then they had a chance to sort of play in the sandbox with us and say, okay, well, let's lean into this a little bit more. Let's take that away a little bit more. Even yeah. our board members who didn't have a, an exceptional understanding of what the technology would be, they still had a, a lot of in, input into what the content would be and the, what stories we wanted to push. Yeah. Forward. Okay, that's great. And then, um, in and then, in terms of the outreach, was the board's role still pretty much the same, or did it did it did you feel like you actually needed more board buy-in and support for a virtual gala versus in person because it's kind of harder to talk about, I would think. You're right, it, it was both. So I, I the, the, that was the reason why I provided the proof of concept for the board. It was that I, I, re, I really wanna make sure that everybody knows how to talk about this kind of event, especially if we haven't seen it before. And right. that what that allowed board members to say is, you know, tune in for 30 minutes. If you just tune in for five, you'll be able to see us honor our seniors or, or you know, our, our kids are doing this really adorable good news segment that you can't miss. Uh, one of our alums is who is the, an entrepreneur is coming in to to highlight our giving levels, you know, yeah. and, and hey, it is a fundraiser, but he is so charismatic. You're not going to want to miss it. Um, yeah. So I really had to lean on the board to to get the word out uh, to, yes. to their communities, to their networks, but also leverage this as an opportunity to to communicate to this to completely new audiences yeah. and new networks. Um, and, and also it was great to be able to do this so that we made sure that you know the guests that our sponsors and board members had invited to our in-person event, they weren't forgotten about, they weren't left out. Um, we wanted to make sure that uh, with our board and with our sponsors, we got a lot of buy-in as to what this event would look like. So before we officially announced this event, we reached out to all of our sponsors to, to talk to them and see how they would feel about us really modifying this event because it really was not uh, what they intended, what you know their sponsorship was intended to go toward um, and you know, God bless them. Every single sponsor was, you know, right behind us, and, and despite the challenging circumstances, and we even had the opportunity to bring on a, uh, a virtual lead sponsor. I uh, saw because, that it was a local provider, right? Internet provider. Uh, the local internet provider was Gigabit Now, and so we had the opportunity to retain. I think we had nearly forty uh, traditional sponsors uh, in different levels, and all of them gave us their blessing and said, "Go for it," you know. Oh, great. So add, add my name here, but you, you guys play in your sandbox. And, um, and and they were all incredible to be able to keep that uh, that uh, sponsorship going. And then in the last, I think the week before, Gigabit Now reached out to us and they were really inspired by what just what they were hearing just on a, on a ground level of what yeah. the event was going to be and how different it would be uh, from other events. And they just wanted to jump in and say, we want to we want to be there for you. We're an internet company. This is going to be streamed online. It's a match made in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> really I thought, and that's what I thought too, when I saw them in the very beginning, when you, you know, had them, uh, you know, posted up there and then gave them a, a chance to, to speak and do a shout out. I thought that was like the perfect match because it's online 
And um, is that a new, so was that a new sponsor for you? That was a completely new sponsor. It was a completely oh. new level and it was a, an exclusive uh, slot for, for that uh, company to be able to enter. But that was a completely new um, sponsor that we've had. And I would think Christian, you know, I'm glad that you shared that sponsor, that you, the conversation you had with sponsors explaining to them that you're gonna do this virtual. You know, I would think that sponsors would be very open to the virtual setting because as long as you have that YouTube video up, their logo will forever be up there. And I mean, it's even an opportunity for the board. What a what a great way for your board to introduce new people to the organization now. Because mm -hmm. you can say, watch this 30 minute video before coffee next week, or watch this 30 minute, you know, watch our 30 minute virtual gala. Because it's really a, a program piece. I mean, you mm -hmm. talk about your programs and your success stories. And so it's a great segue to new board members and new sponsors and funders. Um, it could be used for so much more than just that day. Well, and I think you're right. It, with the in-person gala, obviously it's wonderful. And a lot of that kind of stays in the room once you leave, but but this is, this is just, these are resources that we're gonna continue to use, you know, over yeah. the next year. And the best part about having this 30 minute broadcast is that it comes with the, you know, 10 individual nuggets of, you know, hey, check this out or check that out. And it just provides yeah. a great tangible way for board members or, you know, fellow evangelizers of Hoya to just share right. the mission in a really quick tidbit. The other great point is that there were things that we weren't able to include in the final broadcast that we're now working on to be able to just introduce to a YouTube, Facebook, social media audience over the course of the summer. And that includes a, a Q&A with, with our recently uh, incoming um, board chairwoman, Vasquez. Um, okay. It includes um, these, in, these really wonderful long form testimonials that we have with students and mentors and parents that are okay. about, you know, 10 to 12 minutes that we, because of the pacing, we just couldn't include in the original broadcast, but we're so excited to be able to use these resources and, and um, just kind of build a following. And that's what we're trying to focus on this summer also is having this be a foundation to continue to grow our online following in a world where we can't do as much in person. Got it, got it, okay. So let's talk about then the program agenda. So what was the agenda? And um, it was very, even though it was quick, it was very interactive. I mean, you, it, it was smart. It was very smartly well done. So talk about the agenda and how you spliced and diced all the, the pieces. <laughs> it was so much fun. It, there were so many moving parts and we really had to be sensitive to the pacing, uh, what we were introducing and what, what we were not. Um, and the 10 different segments is a quick overview. We really just, I, I opened with a, and with a, a ED's welcome, uh, which was a lot of fun just to be able to set the tone for the night. Um, the, the day before the event I did, I, I recorded one more segment right before the welcome, just in response to everything that's been happening with our social justice movement, just to be able to make okay. sure that uh, we yeah. were not tone deaf in that regard. And mm -hmm. that, I think that really helped to just kind of set the tone for the evening. So we had our ED's welcome. I invited one of our alums who is our entrepreneurship student at Cal State Fullerton to, to share the giving guide with, with our audience. And then we jumped straight in to a feel good time with our some good news segments. We decided to split that up into two. So after some good news, our, our students shared about, you know, pet adoptions and scholarships that the seniors have been awarded. Uh, they, one of them spotlit our, one of our mentors who is uh, honored at the 1OC Spirit of Volunteerism Award. So just a good excuse to just share good news with the community. That was yeah. relative to us. Um, after that, we talked a little bit about what our traditional programs look like on a regular day. And then right in the middle, we, um, we've been fortunate to be uh, really strong partners with the Women's Club of Fullerton as their charity of the year for the last two years. And as a culmination of that partnership, we put together a partnership spotlight for them that they can now keep forever and, and share with with their club members and, and future right. of the year. Yeah. After that, we we went back to well, what does our COVID nineteen response look like? And our, our staff and our staff shared about that. Um, we went back into another good news segment with our students, and we just didn't let go after that. We kept the momentum rolling. <laughs> um, one of the highlights of the night for me was our grad roll call was just giving a moment of spotlight, just a quick 30 seconds for each of our, our seniors, uh, just to be able to give them that um, that recognition for all their accomplishments. Um, yeah. After that, we had a fun moment of levity with our yearbook and uh, with the photo yearbook of our year and our programs, showing showcasing as many of our kids and programs as we could. Um, 
And then at the very end, uh, our, our last video, which, which I personally, uh, which we weren't planning on having, but I'd like to take a moment just to share what this was. It was, it was an affirmations video. And it was about a week before the gala was supposed to come out. Everything was done. And mm -hmm. we had this mentoring meeting where we closed a mentoring meeting with the kids going around sharing what they loved about the mentors and what the mentors shared about the kids. Yeah. I missed the meeting, but I watched the recording later, maybe two o'clock in the morning, and I was just in tears. Aww. <laughs> it was so sweet because that is really what the heart, it's just the heart of who we are and what we do. And mm -hmm. after, you know, 25 minutes of, of fun and, and cake and watermelon, you just want to just live in a quiet moment with yeah. the kids and with the volunteers. Yeah. And it's just a beautiful way to, to end that. So that's my personal favorite. Um, video that we included just to kind of close the event. So it was it was a mad dash to the finish. That's great. Well, I mean, you guys did it beautifully. And what I love is that you really were storytelling how you've been staying relevant at the same time through this past four months. Like, so you mean you did a, a great job at just talking about Hoya in general, but I love that you brought in how you were still programming through COVID, you know, the um, food distribution. Even I think I remember saw a picture of of the of you guys congratulating the seniors you know and didn't you even hand out scholarships you know at one point in there in the video there was there was pictures of that and someone had a mask on i mean you you guys not only talked about hoya but you you upped it by saying we weren't gone these last four months this mm -hmm. is how we've mm -hmm. continued which i think is important for all nonprofits to remember um during this time for for any future event this year you know don't be afraid to talk about how you managed to stay relevant during this time you're right it was those were my two favorite days over the last two months was number mm -hmm. one when we had a chance to go around and just share just spontaneously share the scholarship awards with each of our kids and, and go to them you know not just not put it in the mail or doing yeah. this or that but put on a mask go to them make you know make it fun make it a special moment and then my absolute favorite thing that we've done in the last couple of months was the, uh, we had a grad parade a couple of weeks ago and we just we spent you know about an hour just rolling through the streets of the Garnet and Maple neighborhood and we had in our, our lead car this giant speaker we were playing the the grad march and we would stop in front of each of our students house and they were out there with their family wearing their cap and gown and I would just I would be on the mic and the whole neighborhood <laughs> here just us you know these words of affirmation kind of praising our kids and yeah. we had a few moments to stop in front of each of our kids houses and you know, give them a gift basket and take some pictures yeah. with them and just to honor them. And so we're, we're really trying to use this as an excuse to, to see what, what it is that we can do um, yeah. to be able to, to be a present presence in our kids' lives. That's awesome. That's so great. So, I mean, it was, it was great. It was um, awesome stories. And, and even just the way you went back and forth, it had good flow. Like that one person said, I was only going to be here for five minutes, but I couldn't help myself. I mean, it was, it's like that that binge watching feel of like oh, I, I I'm already here so let's just you know keep doing it. Um, so you had multiple technologies in this from from you mentioned YouTube mm -hmm. and YouTube Live and Streamlabs and then you had I think DonorBox as the fundraising platform of it. So talk through just the technology you shared a little bit earlier, but um, it was it it was YouTube Live, but you uploaded the YouTube live, like, cause it was pre-recorded. So explain all that and then how DonorBox fit in. Right, so it, it was a lot of trial and error with different platforms. So for example, we, we looked into BeLive and we found mm -hmm. out that we had a live component, but we couldn't offer a video component. And we really mm -hmm. wanted it to be live uh, yeah. if, if we could help it. But we also wanted to make sure that, that a lot of the content for the evening was was not dependent on our ability to go live. It was already kind of in yeah. the can. We can kind of share it and be very specific with what we share with our audience. Um, so Be Live, we ended up ruling out, but we do have an idea to uh, return to Be Live in about three months' time for a possible October fundraiser uh, telethon. Um, we we went to YouTube and quickly found out that YouTube could handle a pre-recorded video and they could broadcast it live, um, but they couldn't do. Um, we, it couldn't be hosted on YouTube Live the way that we wanted it to because we also had the live video, but we also had uh, the giving banner on the okay. bottom uh, for DonorBox. So we found that Streamlabs, um, it, it could um, schedule when we would stream videos live on YouTube, 
And, oh, okay. And if you essentially Streamlabs is just a backend software, it looks similar to YouTube, but just with a lot more bells and whistles. So okay. on Streamlabs, you're able to put a um, like a broadcast card before your event. Um, you're able to play your video, and then you're able to put up a card after your event. And then you're also able to put up graphics on your screen throughout the event. So we used it in a very basic way, but it allowed okay. us to, to use multimedia in the best way. The okay. reason why we wanted to do this with Streamlabs also is because they do have a very, I, th I think it's a really uh, high value live component. Um, and we do want to utilize that in the future where, as opposed to, to be live, which I love, uh, it can't handle large files for pre-recorded videos, Streamlabs can. So Got we it. would be able to do a picture in picture with, with live component, uh, also, also a pre-recorded video component. So it was, okay. it was a lot of trial and error and yeah. um, and figuring out what was going to work best in terms of a platform. DonorBox was just great because of the, um, the, yeah. the, the thermometer and being able to, to keep everybody in, in touch with how we were doing for the night. <laughs> okay, so so Streamlabs, it was almost like everything was kind of preloaded there. And then when you press go, it lo then it lo goes live onto YouTube. Yeah, so it, it's all set up on Streamlabs and then you go live and it's just connected to your YouTube channel and it just directly uh, live broadcasts on your YouTube. Okay, channel. and then at the same time though, there's other things that you were doing. So what were the live components you were doing while it was streaming, I guess, or while it was going? The live components for this one were, because we didn't want to leave it up to chance. <laughs> so this one was yeah. just uh, making sure that uh, it would broadcast on time. Okay. Streamlabs is a, a good tool to be able to make sure that we stay on schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, number two is to make sure that the, um, the, the video was properly uh, in frame because on, on, on YouTube, the way that we did it, the video, the compression just didn't work with the video size and with the, the audio file. Um, so it allowed us to compress the video and the audio. And it also allowed us to share the, the video image with the, uh, the banner that we would keep up for the duration of the event. Um, so if, if we were to use it in a much more advanced way, then I could have come in before and after the uh, the stream to be able to just you know provide some commentary or do like an after show or something like that, um, which we, we thought about doing, um, but it just it just has everything in place. So we thought that would be a better foundation for the long run to be able to learn how to use the software for a pre-recorded event and then to add the in the live components in later on. Got it. Okay. And I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah. No. No. It's good. I think it's so great for everyone to just know all these tools and with Streamlab. Um, free? Was there a cost to the, the, the version that you used? There is a free and a premium version. We did use the, the free version, which is oh, okay. Let me know if you can. Um, so we did use the free version. And then um, uh, there is a paid version, but the way that I know about it, let me know if you can hear that ring. The way that we knew about it is that uh, a lot of the kids are on Twitch. A lot of them follow streamers. And so, so they kind of highlighted that for us. Um, oh, okay. Have you ever seen videos of you know Gabriel's live stream? They're in a corner and they're playing the game. Um, yeah. So it, it's not built for this at all. But we found this just to be by far the best way for us to stream. That's great. I mean, yeah, it's, you got to do what you got to do. Leverage what you can. I think that's yeah. great, and it's great to just learn about new tools. So, um, so then talk about the fundraising side of it. The uh, platform, the idea behind that, the the. You didn't have a match. You just had a goal, correct? Yeah. So we just had a goal for, for $10,000. So um, so in short, uh, with everything that went into this year's event, including the pre-event sponsorships that mm -hmm. we were able to retain because of the blessing of our sponsors, including the COVID-19 appeal that we made from uh, pulling the in-person event, um, including the, the virtual sponsor that we brought on board, and then the giving from the night of, we've actually exceeded the revenue that we generated from last year's in-person event. So even though we didn't match the income, uh, we exceeded the revenue because we didn't have to worry about those $17,000 worth of expenses for the in-person event. So this yeah. all in all, it, it what we wanted to do is have a realistic goal, but also we knew where our target ask would be without having to over ask. And we knew exactly what we needed to be able to have a successful uh, remainder of our, our 2020 essentially, which is why we decided to make it, I think a very attainable $10,000 goal. Got it. And uh, and so that was just something um, that people could donate to as the show was going on. Correct. Because um, I remember I got a text message because you people did register. Actually, we should mention that you did ask people for interest 
and register. And is that how you got people's info to then send those text messages and emails? Yeah, so we had so we had an, an Eventbrite page, I think maybe two or three weeks leading up to the event. So we had a, a couple of hundred uh, registers over on Eventbrite, and that captured some, some key information for us to reach out. We did, of course, eventually send out the link to our community at large, but what having the Eventbrite registration allowed us to do was to know how to target our promotion and who exactly was interested in attending a virtual event instead of just blindly sharing an invitation and not expecting how many people uh, to show up. So yeah. with our um, with our promotion of the event, it was through Eventbrite. It was through the, making sure that by the time Thursday rolled around, the day before the event, we had uh, all of the links that were live and ready to go. That way, all of our attendees just clicked a link and you were there. And you didn't have to worry about anything else. Uh, you had the link to watch and the link to donate. And those, that's all you needed to know. Um, and we also wanted to make sure that um, that you had yeah, those two links. And I think that was about it. <laughs> so we wanted to make sure that that's all and I, I know it was great. It was easy. I mean, I remember getting the email, uh, like, don't forget, you know, tomorrow mm -hmm. at 6 or tonight at 6. And then I think what's smart, and I've this has been a couple virtual events now, is getting an alert through uh, the phone. Um, so getting a text message, which I believe you guys did. That was definitely, so we actually didn't use a software for that. We just, as a team and as a board, we just, we oh. just fixed everybody we could think of. <laughs> <laughs> well, then to you guys, because it did make it easier, at least if I recall from, from your event. But um, yeah, the, the fact, so yours was, it was in the, I know it was in the chat box, because when you go live with YouTube Live, you also had the chat box, which I thought was great. Everyone was talking and mm -hmm. communicating. Um, and I know you guys put it in there from time to time so people could have an easy click. And um, and, and yeah, I think everyone's got their phones nowadays that it's it's so hard to get away from it when, when it's there. So, um, and it was also fun to see the thermometer of funds go up. And I, that is one of those in-person components that sometimes people miss with the auctioneer or mm -hmm. uh, whatever you're trying to do to raise that goal. Uh, I think the, utilizing those tools, I, I think it's worth the investment. So you guys use DonorBox, correct? We use DonorBox and we, we loved it because of the thermometer. We use it anyway in many of our campaigns. We loved it because of the thermometer and how interactive it is. Also how user-friendly it is with being able to up, update yeah. those types of web pages. Um, and in years past, we have had giving levels, but we have not, I don't think we've done uh, our job in associating those giving levels with exactly what your gift would be going toward. So this yeah. year we specifically had five different giving levels, which I think far and away really encouraged uh, giving on specific levels based on what people were really wanting yeah. to sponsor. Awesome. And we were able to share that in our, in our broadcast, in the description yeah. of our videos, but also at the donor box link, we could list out all of the the field and all of the um, the number of donors and the um, the amount raised. Yeah. So, um, uh, in analyzing that, did you and being virtual, did you see any surprises of giving? Were there people popping, new people popping up that didn't come, you know, before? What What did you see there? We probably had maybe about twenty percent of the of the gifts were from completely new donors, and, right. or, <laughs> and a good portion of them were from donors that I hadn't had actually a lot of previous contact with. And okay. it, it did definitely skew, even though it was pretty uh, fair across the board, a lot of the in-person giving did skew towards the, the younger age groups, I, I did notice. So even okay. though we had a lot of great attendance across the board, a lot of the giving did skew on the, the younger end, I think, just because of the, the, the web platform. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of shows us too that we want to be as streamlined and as as very basic and easy to comprehend as possible that way everybody can sort of understand what the giving levels are how to give uh, but that was that was a, a, an important note and we did have um you know viewers from from across the country who have you know since moved away in the last few years who are able to tune in who normally wouldn't have been able to attend the event and that was that was a lot of fun to be able to field comments and during that half an hour we had you know donations coming in the friday up before the event and then as soon as the event started, you know, waves of, of contributions started coming in. My favorite part of the event was because we were sitting here at the office, me and one of, and a coworker and, and Jessica, my, my girlfriend, yeah. we were just sitting here playing the event and just watching <laughs> everything kind of come in yeah. uh, and the comments and the, uh, the text messages that we're all getting. And yeah. I've, I've never felt more love <laughs> in that, 
that night. And it was just so affirming, just everybody kind of texting me and saying, yeah. oh, so much fun. This is so great. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, especially because, especially you know, I know you, Christian, and I know your organization. You're so small. I mean, you're a small organization. So <laughs> it, was, it was a big deal for an organization like yours to, you know, to take this this leap and say, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to do it. And you guys did a, a really good job. And and to your point, even though it's skewed to the younger generation, what that should say something though, I think to all nonprofits that maybe we've been missing out on a generation this whole time because we've been so accustomed to the in-person, which caters to those who who, who love the, the in-person aspect, but there's a new generation coming that mm -hmm. is okay with the virtual, you know, they're okay with the text message. It's not impersonal to a millennial to receive a text message, but to you know a boomer or an exer it might be like like i don't do text message like i want to be you know i want an invitation right i want the paper and i want the thank you um so i it's things like that that i love seeing being realized within our sector is um you know who knows now maybe every year we'll have an in-person and a virtual event to to capture that generation that can't yes. afford can't afford the hundred dollar in your seat ticket, but loves the video and would love to give 10 or $20 as a, a thank you. And I, I think you're right. And we were able to experience so much support. We really, with this event, we wanted to try something new. And even though we are small, you know, we're, we, are, we have an annual operating budget of less than $250,000 a year. We're very small, mm -hmm. been around for 11 years. Uh, we have a staff of four. And we really wanted to do something that nobody else was doing, whatever that might look like. So yeah. I, and let me know if I'm wrong, but but I, I really think that this this you know 30 minute a very quick more interactive uh, and fast paced type of gala was was unique into itself. And I know there are a lot of great organizations who are doing more more long form things, or they're they're not doing a broadcast; they're just doing a, a virtual replacement where you can um, you know send in a certain amount of funds to be able to sponsor in place of yeah. an actual event, but. We really tried to make this unique into itself, and and just try to be bold, and 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 you know maybe this will become a sort of something that can be continued in the future, something that we can build on. But it could also be something that I think other organizations could build on as well. And yeah. I've been getting some amazing feedback from some partner organizations, uh, and from some of our our just partners in general who who really are interested in this kind of space, and and who are asking me to to kind of help consult with them to see how they might be able to put together a, a virtual event. Yeah, because you, um, it, it's something, like I said earlier, it's not just for the gala now, it's a part of your promo, you know, it's a part of your, it's almost like part of your virtual resume to donors, to funders, to board members, to um, to parents, you know, and it's, it's this nice link that you can send and say, you know, even though this is, you know, ignore the, the virtual gala part, you know, of it, but this is what we did last year. Mm -hmm. This is who we are. And uh, just take 30 minutes. It sounds long, but you'll find that it goes by pretty fast because it's very entertaining. Um, and I, I think if nonprofits see that as the, um, the bonus, that this is not just about this event fundraising purpose, um, it's something that can be used for multiple purposes now. That I mean, even I've shared with other orgs to say, look what they did. And um, it, it's, yeah, it's just a great tool now that you guys have in your pocket to, to share it with one click. And, and I think what this was is really what it, we were trying to make from this is we wanted to have some sort of an event to cap the season and in, in the midst of everything that's going on. But we also wanted to, to try to use this as a pilot for whatever we wanted to try to do moving forward. So we do have ideas for more long-term or long-form types of fundraisers ideas for fundraisers on various platforms, um, ideas for you know smaller and different in-person events or being able to do a small and different in-person event and be able to, to broadcast it to some sort of a hybrid. So this really, and, and also what this allows us to do is now that we have that proof of concept to be able to ask for specific funding to be able to have some you know video production gear and things like that. Yeah. Some of the things that we've been talking a lot about in the, the last couple of months, especially in, in light of everything that's going on, is Hoya Scholar's place in, in the scheme of storytelling. 
and knowing how to broadcast those things, especially when we're talking about things such as social, social justice issues that impact our communities and our neighboring communities so close to home, is that we have an opportunity through the online space to really take advantage of these storytelling tools. And if we're able to prove that we can do this in 30 minutes with, with webcams and you know laptop cameras, and it's yeah. not pretty, but if we, if we have the bones of what we know what to do, then we can right. share that with, with some of our community partners and um, yeah. be able to really get some technology behind this so that we can push this forward even more. That's great. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about, you know, the follow up and the debriefing of all this. I mean, it's got to open up conversations with your board and new budgeting and new technology. New, I mean, because you it's it's sad to say that in nonprofit, sometimes we have to be successful to prove what we need to be better mm -hmm. at it. And you guys did it on limited budget and means. But it it just goes to show you what what could you have done with more sophisticated um, technology or other tools. So what what other uh, positives have come out of, you know, through the follow up and, and debriefing of the uh, of, of, of this experience? A huge positive has been, I think, a proof of concept with our board and, and with our leadership and showing that we I mean, we didn't we didn't spend any money on that. We, we definitely spent our, a lot of time, yeah. <laughs> on a lot of time and resources, but but we didn't spend a nickel from start to beginning on actually facilitating this event. And as our, our team is looking for uh, for, for smaller, um, you know, team member led fundraising campaigns that are going to be more personal, they're going to take up less resources. Um, this was really another uh, step in that direction to be able to, to show our board, okay, we, we can do something like this. We, we can rely on something that um, is something that is a very minimal to no cost and is just person focused. And, mm -hmm. and if we frame it in the right way, then that is exactly what it is that we, we can do. You know, we don't need to uh, rely on those in-person galas like, like we used to. We don't need to rely on other forms of fundraising like we used to. And so it's helped to spark a conversation of, of new and innovative, uh, smaller board member and team member led fundraising campaigns. Yeah. And I bet it also it impresses upon them those um, the importance of like those giving days and the peer-to-peer -peer, like this almost was for you kind of a giving day but with no match mm -hmm. but if you did choose to do a giving day in the future whether it's you know through the the impact areas or just on giving tuesday i mean this is one of those great videos to share on that day and and to help your peer-to-peer -peer fundraisers in you know evoking more funds because uh that that peer-to-peer -peer is so important mm -hmm on those days but yes storytelling is huge mm -hmm. in that process and and we would love to continue to to live in that space there are so many ways and really yeah. what we wanted to do with this event and moving forward is just finding ways to to accurately honor the experiences of our kids and our families and to be able to do that and properly and, and you know with with good cultural stewardship i think of their experiences uh, above all else and so we are so excited and to wear those Sort of, sort of those those journalistic, those long form narrative and, yeah. and social justice caps, with, which are kind of more caps that we've been trying to put on to be able yeah. to, to uncover and share stories in, in the best way possible. That's great. Well, Christian, this was so, so wonderful. I'm so glad that you, you know, took the time to share with me and, um, you know, I'm going to share this in other areas because I know there's so many nonprofits that are just curious, you know, what to do, how to do it. And, and just the fact that you said, not a nickel was spent, but people's time was, um, you know, six weeks. That's a dedicated amount of time. Mm -hmm. And every person that was in the video was touched and had to also, you know, um, put time aside to do that. But the power that that can do monetarily, because you, you essentially saved um, by not having to do it in person, I hope is what people see that it's mm -hmm. it takes so much more than just the ED and the event staff to put on a great event um, in general, but more so virtually because you've got to evoke a lot more people and their time. Right. We hope this was a great foundation for us. We hope it can be a model for others. And we, we just hope it was a great way to continue our conversation and share our narrative out. Um, and to remind people that we're here, we're still here. We're still working with our kids and, yeah. uh, and we're, we're not slowing down anytime soon. That's for sure. But, but thanks well, for I really, really enjoyed this time. Yeah. Any final thoughts or, or major 
nugget suggestion to someone listening that's going, okay, I'm going to do this. What, for, what for should me, I do? <laughs> for me personally, I, um, as soon as the event was pulled in March, the first thing I thought of was, was how to replace it. Uh-huh. And, um, and then the next day I, I woke up and, and, you know, we, we, we were all looking around in March and realizing what was happening. And it was about, it, it, it feel like a nonprofit, it's all about coming back to program and it's all about figuring out who it is that you are in a specific moment. And we've had a lot of those, those moments where we've had to explore who we are in the last couple yeah. of months. And it was continuing, it was just pushing the, our relationships with our kids and deepening those roots within our communities that reminded us that, um, despite that everything that's going on, that we have the tools to be able to make something out of whatever it is that we have. Um, so I would encourage you know everybody, and I'll continue to say this: just uh, just you know, try new things. It, it took us a lot of trial and error just to get to this point, um, but this uh, this small uh, event that we did is is opening up so many doors. And this is all just about innovative and and lateral thinking, uh, which is was something I like to talk about quite a bit. Where you don't necessarily have to go in order uh, of the way that the playbook has kind of dictated yeah. in the past. You can exactly. really um, you can really tread new ground um, if it's in direct response to what you're doing and if it's honoring your community in the right way. Well said. I like that. Yeah, it's all about following what's right for your organization and the people you serve. And if you do that, well, if, if everyone does that, you'll always be fine, right? If you just do what the people need, then. I totally agree. And you're doing that too. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing work. Right, you're following your work. Thanks. Well, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for sharing and um, congratulations to Hoya Scholars and everything that you guys are doing. And thank you for what you're doing in the community. I live in Fullerton, so I appreciate the work that you're doing with um, the youth. And, uh, you know, it's um, it's it's really fulfilling. And it's a, it, it's something to be said, too, about the niche that you have. Right. You're really focused in on a particular geographic area. And um, sometimes you're the ones that get forgotten. So I'm glad that you're able to be here and share about what you do. Even even if it's just in those two parts, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot of important work. So thank you. We're always looking for ways to, to broadcast our stories and to, to not necessarily expand as an organization, but to leverage the already great existing tapestry of nonprofits who exist in North Orange County and abroad to just hopefully give them the tools to be able to do the same and, and learn from them as well. Great. We're excited to be here where we are. Thanks so much, Victoria. Thank you, Christian. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Talk to you later.